Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Bold Statements, Not-So-Bold Predictions, where we've got receipts. I'm your host, Keith Cork, along with my friend and co-host, Trey Hill. If you guys haven't listened before, BSBP is part game show, part NBA chatter. Everyone who comes on the show gets 100 creds to place wagers and NBA game outcomes, player props, futures, and much, much more. And even though we didn't have one last game, either one of us knuckleheads here can call BS on the other host, and we will bet against each other about whatever the heck we're talking about at the time, which covers a wide range of NBA-related topics. Trey and I still have full credibility because guess what? The season hasn't started yet. We are so excited, though. Man, October 5th, Bulls' first preseason game. I'm getting amped, man. It's less than a week away. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm very giddy. Uh, I'm guessing you're probably excited, too, Trey. I've been giddy since I saw all those new Bulls players in those gorgeous white uniforms for, for <laughs> the pictures. It's 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 nice to be excited going into the season again. Yeah, and the, as of the recording of this show, we've got um, a little bit over two weeks before the uh, season officially starts. So we're getting there, man. We are getting there. But uh, today we're going to start with Better's Remorse, our segment where we just kind of recap our bets. Obviously, like I said, uh, in the open, we haven't had anything resolved quite yet because the season hasn't started, but we are oh so close. But I do want to recap. We did have my brother Brandon, uh, as we call him, brother Brandon here on the on the show on last show, and uh, he did put down a few bets. Uh, he ran. He jumped on some of the stuff that we are riding here. He jumped on uh, Otto Porter Jr. under 35 games with you, Trey. How do you, how do you feel about that? I'm glad to see he was on the right. He's going to be on the right side of history on that one. <laughs> Yeah, Trey and I have a, have a good BS uh, bet here uh, on Mr. Otto Porter Jr. He thinks he's going to play less than 35 games. I'm on the over there. Um, I think he's going to be uh, pretty good for the for the Warriors, especially if they're actually making a push for the playoffs. But we shall see. Uh, his body has failed him before. That's what your brother thinks. And um, so, yeah, I think you do as well. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. He also jumped on Jalen Green for, for uh, Rookie of the Year, which is my call. Uh, and then he jumped on Jalen Green over 20 points per game, which is actually your call, which is kind of funny because I've got him as rookie of the year, but scoring under under 20 points per game. We've talked about that a few times. Kind of crazy. But um, I think jumping on both of those is a good call for him. What do you think? Yeah, those are the ones that everybody loves to pay attention to the rookies. And Jalen Green is going to be probably the most exciting, explosive rookie in this class to watch. So. I think attaching himself to Jalen Green like that is a smart move. Yeah, I think he's going to be in for a big season. Um, I'm also high on Jalen Suggs this year. Uh, you can't really discount Cade Cunningham, but we've talked about some of the Rookie of the Year candidates. And um, there's there's some good rookies in this class, man. So it's going to be a, a fun season to watch those guys, too. Uh, did After we did get off the call, though, he did mention to me that he, there was a few – uh, BS calls he wanted to make, but he was just a little too nervous, and it was his you know, first time on any kind of podcast. So um, he, he struggled through it. He was a champ. Uh, he did a good job. We'll, we'll have him on again. But uh, he did want to call BS on our T-Wolves call, Timberwolves. Uh, we both have the over on their win totals. But he's telling me that Carl Anthony Towns can't stay healthy, man. He doesn't like that over call. What do you think about that? I don't know about that. I don't I don't know. I feel like Carl Anthony Towns has played in a lot of games these last couple of years without going and then looking it up on my phone. But I feel like they're they're a really deep team. But he's right. If Carl Anthony Towns isn't isn't there, I think he's the linchpin that that makes the rest of that team go. Anthony Edwards is going to be what I think elevates them up into this upper echelon. But Cat is definitely the the number one guy there, the main ingredient. 
Yeah, Cat's there. Um, and, you know, get Malik Beasley without all that uh, legal trouble he was in. He's got a clear mind now. D'Angelo Russell had some injuries last season. He's back and, and, and fully healthy as far as I know. So uh, I think it's just more than just Carl Anthony Towns. But uh, obviously Towns is, is the engine that makes it go. So if he does suffer a serious injury, our overs might be in trouble there. But uh, he also wanted to call BS on our Capella for Defensive Player of the Year call. Doesn't think Capella can stay on the floor either. He says that guy's injury prone also. So I think he's riding the injury train a little too hard there. But uh, hey, guys, if you want to view our bets, they can be found on our Twitter page at at BSBP underscore NBA. That's at BSBP underscore NBA. Just click on the Google spreadsheet that's linked there. Whichever side you fall on with our bets, with my brother, with against them, where you place the bets is just as important, if not more important. That's why you need to go with the best guys, the most trustworthy and the uh, you know, sports book out there with the best odds. You need to go with my bookie. If you sign up and enter the promo code HOOPBALL, that's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, you get your first deposit matched halfway up to your first $1,000. So that means if you put $1,000 in, you get an extra 500 courtesy of HOOPBALL. And uh, you can go ahead and ride my brother's bad calls. How does that sound? <laughs> um, but anyways, all right. Let's, uh, we did also have another guest on last show, Trey. We had uh, Mr. Andrew Patton, man. That was a really intelligent and, and interesting conversation. Uh, I know we talked a little, a little bit about it after you hung up, but um, – you know, give me give me some of your thoughts there. What did you think about your uh, our conversation with Andrew? What did you take away from it? I think my biggest takeaway is just how much he emphasized how little we have access to, and how as much as we love advanced stats and as much as we love trying to think that we can go in and find these little these little nuanced things that are going to give us the edge, the books and like everything else there. And the teams themselves, they're they're working with stuff that's so much more advanced than we've ever seen. And I think that to me, that's that's exciting because I think in 10 years, what they have access to now, we will have access to. And so that's something that I'm looking forward to eventually, because that, that's how it, that's how it goes. You know, something else will come out and then it trickles down into everybody's hands. So I'm really looking forward to that. And. The other thing was when you asked him about the steals and blocks, and mm. he pointed out just how valuable steals are compared to blocks. That I, I thought that was really interesting, mm. and that was one of that was the other thing that really stuck out to me. Yeah, and you guys can check out that clip actually on our uh, Twitter page as well as um, I believe Trey and I both shared it. So um, you guys can find it there. Um, it was interesting, something I've been positing for a little while. So it did feel pretty good to get some some confirmation on my on my bias there. Uh, I had a few chats with some people on Twitter, which uh, which were, you know, intelligent and, and respectful. And, um, you know, I think blocks are definitely important. But uh, at the same time, as I've been saying, I think a steal is a change of possession. So um, it's a little bit more more valuable, which uh, is a loaded loaded word. I mean, what's more, you know, what's more valuable. But the, what I mean by that is that there's a change of possession and it takes away an entire possession from the other team. A point that he made up, uh, in that that was really interesting was that. Um, it also usually leads to an easy two points, uh, especially if it's a you know a, a steal on the perimeter, or it leads to a quick foul on the other team. Um, so I, I think of it, I think it's even more valuable than a, than a block than I originally thought. Now that I've thought about that, because then you have to think about what happens on the other side of the floor after a block or a steal. So um, I did think that was interesting. Uh, one thing that I, I took away also was that, uh, which is kind of an opportunity for us, is that Vegas basically still handwrites their minutes projections, <laughs> which was really kind of uh, shocking to me. Uh, it's just something where, you know, if you want to get an edge on Vegas, um, you know, like you said, I think in that segment, it was 
uh, you said something about having to follow the players on Twitter and, and, and seeing if they're out till 4 a.m. and maybe they're hungover for a game. Obviously, that's a, that was a joke, a personal joke, but it is you know somewhat true that if we follow these guys on Instagram, Twitter, and we maybe have a little bit more insight uh, about what's and not, going on. Not even lives. necessarily hungover. I just yeah. like you, these guys, you know, you can be out till four in the morning having a good time and just, you know, not get enough. Like, you know, Miami is exciting whether you're drinking or not. Um, and then my, my other um, takeaway there that was really interesting was just talking about defense and how you measure defense. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing was, um, you know, how certain players change the game without necessarily generating a stat. So you can't really find it on a stat sheet. Now, not anything that it's available to us. Like you said, there's stuff that's available to NBA teams that's not available to us. But um, and then I mentioned shot charts, but he, the other, you know, he also said that how you generate the shot is more important than where the shots are eventually taken, which. Uh, I thought was really interesting also. So a lot of just really deep stuff to to more to to kind of think about and try to try to um I guess roll around the old noggin and see how we can maybe uh you know attack those things when we get to making our profits. So I'm excited uh about all that. But uh we also did play a little bit of um like a lightning round with them where we just kind of asked them some questions. Uh, and I was telling you a little bit before we hopped on here. I thought my questions were bad. And the reason I thought they were bad is because a lot uh, half of them at least were um, you know, career highs or career lows for those players. And then I just asked, you know, hey, is this guy going to get above a career low or below a career high? And it's like, no, no shit, Sherlock, you know, uh, everything's going to kind of uh, go back towards the mean, which makes a lot of sense. But uh, but anyways, so Terry Rozier, under 45%, he thinks he's going to go under 45% field goal percentage. Again, that's a career high for him. So not unreasonable to think it's under. I should have asked him, you know, is he going to go under 43 or something like that? But uh, any thoughts about Terry Rozier and uh, if he's going to you know, regress with the uh, field goal percentage or if he's going to continue to shoot um, hotter than he usually does? He has raised his field goal percentage every year at the rim. I believe it, this last year it was all the way up to 58%. Mm. And I just uh, – who's the center starting for the Hornets now? Plumlee, correct? Uh, he replaced know. Cody Zeller. I, I, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's Miles it's, – it's Plumlee. And – I'm not sure how good he is at clearing out lane. Cody Zeller was did a really good job of, of like you mentioned earlier, setting the doing those plays that don't show up in a, on a on a stat sheet, getting in the way. And so Rogier, I I think he's probably going to go under. I don't think he continues to set a career high in getting to the rim. I think it kind of regresses more towards his meet his mean. But I don't think I think he'll be above forty percent. I think he's a really talented shooter and he's going to get a lot of good looks from Lamelo. Yeah, see, that's a, that would have been a good question. Is he going to go over or under 40%? That's a, my question was worse than that, but that's okay. Um, I tend to agree um, that, you know, obviously it's going to regress a little bit more towards the mean. But, yeah, Mason Plumlee is a starting center there now. Uh, and they got P.J. Washington at the power forward. Um, but, yeah, I think I think he is going to go under there. That's pretty easy. Your question next was was, was more interesting. Uh, Bulls in the top 15 for defensive rating, and he said it's possible. He also added the caveat it's more possible if DeRozan doesn't play a lot. What do you think about that? I mean, DeRozan's been a not talented defensive player these last few years, so he's right to say DeRozan playing lessens those chances. But the fact that he he thinks it's it's within the realm of possibility, I think that's a positive sign for this team. Mm-hmm. So that that's what we need. We just need, we need it to be average. Yeah, yeah exactly. and I say we like like I'm a part of the Bulls organization. <laughs> the Bulls need it to be average. Well, we don't need to be coy. We're both Bulls fans. It's okay. We both want them to succeed. Um, and, uh, but I do think you know, and I do ha- happen to look objectively at um, most times at the Bulls. Uh, sometimes I do let my my homerism get in the way. But we've both pretty much said you know it's not as bad as people say. 
defensively. People think the Bulls are just going to give just bleed points, and I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to be uh, pretty average. I mean, I don't think they're going to be a great defensive team, but I think they're going to be better than bad, um, which I think we both agree on. So, uh, so yeah, I think it was a good sign that he said that the, it's possible for them to be in the top 15. Do you think it was a bad sign that he said it's very unlikely for DeRozan to match the 6.9 assists? Yeah, uh, yeah, DeRozan under under 6.9. I I actually tend to disagree here. I think um, I think DeRozan has more weapons around him now on this Bulls squad than he had on the Spurs, and he proved that this is something he can do in his game. It's only uh, 0.7 more assists per game over the the next highest um, per game total he had in a season. Right. So. I actually tend to think I think he's going to get I don't know if he's going to go uh, over 6.9. I don't think he will. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to match 6.9, but I think he's going to be pretty darn close. What do you think? I think he's going to be under like I think he'll average say 6 assists instead of 6.9, but right. I also think his usage will go down. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be assisting at a higher rate given his usage, but I don't think his usage is going to be high enough to get up to that number. Because you have Lonzo, you've got Zach, you've got Vooch. Like, those guys need to also be having the ball in their hands and making plays. Yeah, I, I think um, I do agree with you there. Um, I think that um, his usage will be down a bit. But I do think they're going to try to stagger him and Zach as much as possible. Um, so I don't think it's going to fall drastically, but I think it will be lower than, than is normal. Um, what about Darius Garland? Over 20 points per game. He thinks that's reasonable. Um, and I know that was your question, and I, I think it's reasonable too. What about you? I'm all in on Garland this year. I, yeah. I'm very high on him. I think he's. I think he takes a leap. I think the the ever since he's been drafted, it's been weird. You know, you haven't had your your off seasons. You haven't had your training camps. And playing point guard is it's not an easy thing to do. And he he's developed the the re, the reading the court ability a little bit last year. And I think it's only going to get better. And then we had MPJ uh, under 45, 44.5% from, from three. Um, again, that's a career high, so it's, it's just a bad question. I should have asked him, you know, he's going to go under uh, 41% or something. But I asked 40, 44.5, and, and he's going to go under. And I think that's pretty darn reasonable to assume. But um, I think he will be over 40%. What about you? I think he's going to be over 40. I'd even take over 42%. Wow, yeah. I think I, he, he's just such a pure shooter. Mm. And... Even with Murray out, I know that you know you'll have more defensive attention that can be played elsewhere. But it's not like he guards were guarding Jamal Murray. Guards aren't going to go guard Michael Porter Jr. And Jokic takes the best big away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't disagree with you. Um, I I was thinking maybe calling a BS on you in the f- over 42, but no, I think it's definitely possible. I think he can um, for sure. He's a he's a really great shooter, um, and I don't think that's going to change at all. Julius Randle under six assists per game. That was his uh, his his mark last season. He's on the same team with uh, with arguably a better roster around him. And um, Mr. Patton over there says he's going to go under six. What do you think? Um, I I I tend to agree, especially with Kemba being in there starting. I don't think he's going to have to be the creator as much. Last mm-hmm. year's team revolved around Randle and Barrett creating on offense. I think that was why he was able to get so many assists per game. But Kimba being in there, I, I think that's just going to take away from his playmaking, from the need for him to be playmaking. And I think I don't th- I don't think it, I'm not saying it as he gets worse as a playmaker. I think they just don't need him to playmake as much. Yeah, I think that's a that's pretty accurate, and that's that's a good point. So um, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, Love to, I'd love to disagree, but uh, no, I have to agree with you. I think, I think you're spot on. 
All right, uh, your next question was yours. It's a much more interesting question than any of mine, but Brandon Ingram, closer to five or six assists. Andrew said closer to five. What are your thoughts there? I agree. I I don't think he gets up to six. Uh, that would be six would be a career high for him, and I don't think he gets a career high this year. Even though I think the Pelicans could use the playmaking. I I'm not big on the Pelicans this year. I'm real down on them, and I just don't think he gets there. I he's a great scorer. I think he's underrated as a scorer, but I don't I don't think he gets to six assists. Um, I think they are going to need his playmaking, and um, if Zion, if I knew Zion was going to be out for an extended period of time with this, um, I think it's a foot surgery he had in the offseason, um, I think he might be able to climb towards that six assists and, and be a little closer at least to start the season. Because um, like you said, I, I don't I – don't, Devontae Graham is not um, not a playmaker, really. He's a, more of a catch-and-shoot guard. Uh, you know, they might play Sadoransky there. They might have to go with a more traditional point guard to start the season. Um, you know, if they don't have Zion there, but when Zion comes back, Zion's, I mean, he's point forward. I mean, there's no, you know, Zion's the playmaker on that team. So um, at that point, Brandon Ingram definitely goes, goes below six assists. So I uh, can't really call BS on you there, but uh, Jordan Clarkson over 42.5% uh, field goal percentage per game. That was his mark last season. He won six man of the year on the lowest shooting percentage of his career. I think I just wanted to point that out more than anything. So what do you, th- what are your thoughts there? Is he going to go over 42.5%? Yeah, he's going over. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. I think we can just move on there. Jaron Jackson, here's, a, here's an interesting one. Jaron Jackson Jr., can he get to seven rebounds per game? I can't remember what you said his uh, his um, mark was last season, but it was fairly close. Uh, Andrew says, yeah, he thinks he can, especially with no Steven Adams there. What do you think? Well, Lou, Valanchunas, the trade for Valanchunas to Adams frees up about four rebounds a game for the Grizzlies that – need to be accounted for. He averaged 5.6 rebounds last year. So it's a pretty significant jump, 1.4 rebounds per game. But with four of the, like, I I think they're going to need him to get the rebounds. And I just, I think that's part of the the next evolution of his game. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, and I think that one, another thing to kind of consider here, uh, and and we're in agreement pretty much on all of these, but um, one of the things to consider is, uh, is that a lot of people just kind of criticized him for not grabbing rebounds. You know, they said he's um, 6'11", whatever his size is. He's not grabbing rebounds. And and that's just been one of his major criticisms um, all of last year. So I think it's something he's probably focused on coming into the season. So uh, I think seven rebounds per game is definitely within reach for him. Wouldn't be surprised for him to see him go over that. So uh, cool. We're all pretty much in, in line there. Uh, pretty much in line with Mr. Uh, Mr. Patton. I'm even in line with him on DeRozan. I just think DeRozan's going to be closer to that 6.9 assist than it sounded like he was uh, thinking. But uh, anyways, we're about to head into a segment called Stats Don't Lie, where we blindly rank players based on stats, which is always a, a, a tricky thing. <laughs> but Trey, uh, do you know where else stats are important? Fantasy basketball. <laughs> That's right. Right now is the perfect time to get out there and win your league by getting the Hoop Ball Fantasy Pass. For just $5.99 a month, guys, you can get access to the best fantasy experts in the business and the Brewski 150, which is going to get you the edge in all of your fantasy drafts. So just visit hoopball.com. That's hoop-ball.com. And let them know Keith and Trey sent you. And they're going to ask you, who is Keith and Trey and why are, you, why are they sending you here? Um, but no, it's uh, a <laughs> go get that fantasy pass. It's really worth it. I'm I'm digging it. I'm actually in my first ever dynasty league, and I'm using they actually have dynasty rankings in there. Um, so I'm, I'm using that and using the Discord to talk to people that know a lot more about dynasty. I actually got Darius Garland in dynasty, so I'm pretty pretty excited about that. Um, but anyway, stats don't lie. How Trey? Why don't you uh, you know give me yours first, and uh, and I'll shut up and uh, tell you how I rank them. 
All right, so I these are all power forward power forwards going into this. Player A, he averaged 3.4 deflections, mm-hmm. 4.1 points screen assist points. So his team scored 4.1 points off of his screens per game. Mm-hmm. He contested 6.9 shots per game. Mm-hmm. He was a 36.2% catch and shoot from three, okay. 13.9% usage, okay. and he played 31 minutes a game. Okay. Player B, 3.6 deflections, mm-hmm. 4.1 screen assist points, 7.5 contested shots. Mm-hmm. 37.9% catch and shoot from three. Okay. 30, 11.5 usage percentage. Mm-hmm. And he played 32 minutes a game. Hmm. It's fun that the player A and player B both had the same screen assist points. I didn't notice that till just now. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, player C, 2.3 deflections. Okay, that's a lot less. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, a lot less. Uh, 4.4 screen assist points, uh, okay. so a, a little bit more, but about you know about the same. 9.9 contested shots. Okay. So he That's, he contested uh, a couple more shots. Yeah. He also was 39.6% from three. Can't beat that. <laughs> with a 19.4% usage rate, and he played 30 minutes a game. Uh-huh. The lowest deflections were for player D. 1.7 deflections, mm. 4.3 screen assists. 6.2 contested shots, 32% catch and shoot from three. Okay. Only 7.2% usage rate. Yeah. And 30 minutes a game. So he he's the guy who, if you've got a, a really talented group and you need somebody who's just going to come in, play a lot of minutes, not be expecting, you know, not expect to do a lot, and just kind of come in and. Well, now that I've heard you talk, can I guess who player D is? Yeah. Is it Kevin Love? Nope. Oh, damn. Okay. Well, that was close. All right. Anyways. Uh, okay. No, no, no. I'm looking at this here. Um, I've actually got the stats in front of me. And, uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, and these are all power forwards. And um, I'm going I'm, – I think I'm going to rock with player C uh, as my number one choice. Player C is number one. And um, the reason for that is that uh, it's just kind of – it's kind of crazy to me that he's got a 19.4%. He's got a way higher usage rate than the other three uh you know significantly higher and still he's got the the 9.9 consensus shots and the 4.4 screen like this guy does the dirty work but he also seems to to be a, a force on the offensive end also um you know with, with scoring and, and assisting so i'm rocking with player c first and then i'm gonna go uh b and then a and then d uh so c b a d that's my my final answer that's how i'm gonna rank them who, who did i get Player uh, player C was P.J. Washington from Charlotte. Oh, wow, okay, all right. Player B was Robert Covington from okay. the Trailblazers. Player okay. A is Larry Nance Jr., also okay. from the Trailblazers now. Right, yeah. And player D was P.J. Tucker. Okay. Um, the reason I wanted – I did these, the only two players in the league last year to average – three deflections and four screen assist points 
were Larry Nance Jr. and Robert Covington. And now they're both playing with Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and Norman Powell. All are guys who are shoot-first oriented players that I think they – I think it's going to be a great fit in Portland with them and Nurkic. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, we, we've talked about the, the Trailblazers, and I don't think they did quite enough to, to get better. But those – don't sleep on those moves. Those are good moves. I like Larry Nance Jr. Um, and, and uh, you know, I love, I've always loved Robert Covington. I think he's always a plus to have on your team. And B and A were very close to me. But B um, – so that's Robert Covington. Covington beats Lance in, in everything just slightly. So it, it's almost like they're the same player. Uh, but but uh, Covington's um, a little bit better than Nance in, in each category. So that's kind of interesting to me. <laughs> uh, okay, let me give you mine. And so these are per 36 numbers, and these are numbers for your best player. So you know, close your eyes. Imagine you have a team that's going to the championship and wins a championship. This is for your best player. These are their per 36 numbers. So who would you rather have on your team? Player A. He had 57% field goal percentage, 57, 19% uh, from the three-point line, which is not good, <laughs> 59% from the free-throw line, also not very good, uh, 12.1 rebounds per game, pretty darn good, 4.9 assists per game, two steals and blocks a game. So I added steals and blocks together just because I have I have guards and, and um, you know forwards in here. Uh, so two steals and blocks per game, 2.9 turnovers per game, and 28.5 points per game. That's per 36 minutes. Uh, player B, 52% from the field, so slightly worse. 39 from three-point, which is pretty nice. 85 from the free throw line, again, pretty nice. 5.6 rebounds, eh? 7.4 assists per game. That's that's the most on the list. 7.4. 3.3 steals and blocks a game. That's uh, significantly more than anyone else on this list. Anyways, 2.2 turnovers per game and 27.6 points per game. Player C, 49% from the field, 46 from the three-point line, 46% from the three-point line. That's just, that's just insane to me. 94 from the free-throw line, which is also pretty insane. Uh, 7.5 rebounds. 2.3 assists, so not, not many assists. 1.1 steals and blocks, so not doing a lot there. 2.8 turnovers and 25.4 points per game. And then finally, we've got player D. 50% from the floor, so somewhere in the middle there. 26 from the three-point line, not great. 74 from the uh, free-throw line, not, not that great. 8.2 rebounds, 4.7 assists uh, per game, 2.2 blocks and steals per game and three turnovers per game and 25.5 points per game. That's the most three turnovers per game is the most of anyone on this list, by the way. So, um, so you go ABCD. First of all, first I want to ask you, do you think, you know, these are all championship winners uh, and also give you the clue that they're all uh, three of them are within the last 10 years. I, I mean, I'll, I'll just guess. Yeah. Um, I have a guess for the top three. Okay. Is a Giannis. Yep. Okay, yeah. is B LeBron? Nope. Kawhi? Nope. Okay. Um, is C Steph? Nope. Okay. Um, How do you rank them? I've got, I've got B first. Uh-huh. Because I like the assist to turnover ratio to go along with his ability to stretch the floor shooting 39%. I can depend on him to stay in the game shooting 85% from the free throw line. 
Um, I've got A, so Giannis second. I've got A second. Um, the rebounds, the the good assist to turnover ratio, even though he averages that many rebounds, tells me he's a creating big. So I, I ranked him next. Uh, C was after that, the 94-46. Being able to shoot like that, the, you can stretch the floor. I didn't like the assist to turnover ratio on that one, but I, I just chalked that up to this is somebody that's going to stretch the floor for me. And then D was last for me. It nothing jumped out. Just he just seemed very average, and that's probably going to bite <laughs> me in the butt. But no, no, it's it's funny to hear you blind rank him and, and say these things because you you mentioned stress the floor. Uh, B was actually Michael Jordan, 1991, uh, which is funny because you know he never and you ever the the prevailing narrative is that he you know and, and I mean he did work on his three point shot, but it was always he didn't have that three point shot till later in his career. But there, I, I actually this is all their first championships. This is this is their first championship runs. And so Michael Jordan, 1991's first championship run. And what I loved about that is 3.3 steals and blocks per game. That's just insane. I mean, it's a different game uh, and a different style. Uh, you know, the pace is slower. Uh, you can say there's less talent. I mean, whatever you want to say. But but that just jumps out to me, 3.3. Anyways, so you had Michael. Uh, you, obviously, you know Giannis in, in 2021. Uh, had those numbers, and, he, and he, you picked him second. Third, you picked Dirk Nowitzki in his 2011 uh, championship run, which, uh, I mean, that guy just, it was a fun to watch. He just shot lights out and destroyed LeBron when everyone thought LeBron and, and D-Wade and uh, that trio was going to win. Um, and then last, of course, is LeBron James in 2020, 2012. Uh, so it's kind of funny to me. And you were saying, you know, he's kind of average. Like, he didn't really, um, now I will say he didn't have to do a lot because he had that super team, right? Right. So that's, I mean, called, I, that's exactly what I was getting ready yeah. to say. He. Yeah. But, ah, uh, man, Dirk. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And I might, and I, I might, I mean, I think C, uh, C and B are close enough for me. I might switch them, honestly, uh, just because that shooting percentage is, especially, what was it, 49 from the from the three-point line? What was that? 46. 46 from the three-point right. line. But Dirk, the size of Dirk, like shooting 46% and being seven foot is more effective than being Steph Curry's height. Yeah. yeah like, we, so. wa- we watched Derrick Rose get trapped by Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and D, and D Rose's prime, they just shut him out. But like, we watched Nowitzki shoot over them. So, yeah. height matters. That was such a crazy run. It was um, it was a lot of fun. No one expected them to win. Um, everyone was cheering for him. That was that was a great great championship. So, uh, but anyways, that was kind of fun. Uh, all right. So, anyways, moving on to our next segment, which is called a new segment called Seven Seconds or Less. If you're not familiar, uh, it's the name of offense. In the NBA, the goal is to get up a shot seven seconds or less. Not not too too creative. But uh, anyways, what we're going to do is we're going to give rapid-fire questions, and the other host is going to give their gut reactions as to who they think the answer is. Mr. Trey, are you ready? Oh, he might be muted. Oh, he might be. Yep. There you go. Yep. Oh, he's uh, already. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. He's ready. Okay, so we're going to shoot you here some questions, seven seconds or less. Okay, here we go. Who leads the league in scoring this upcoming season? I have Luca. Okay. Who leads the league in rebounds? Oh, you're not answering these? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll answer mine too. That's you, fine. I'm, I'm, I can read it back, back to you. Do you want me no, to read it back yeah, to I was, you? Yeah, I was going to say, let's do you first and then, well, then we'll go to me. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, so you got Luca, Luca leading in scoring. Who leads the league in rebounds? Capella. Okay. Who leads the league in blocks? Also, Clint Capella. Oh, okay. Which rookie scores the most points among rookies? Jalen Green. 
Who's the rookie everyone's sleeping on that has a good season this year? Chris Duarte from the Pacers. Right. Who's the rookie the lottery that turns out to be a bust? I hate the word bust. All these guys are going to be good. Uh, I think Franz Va- Wagner from the Wizards oh. is going to turn out being the uh, the most disappointing guy. He'll have the lowest 2K rating next year. <laughs> there you go. Which team leads the league in scoring? The Trailblazers. Oh. Which team has the most rebounds? The Pacers. Who gets the most blocks? Let's go Pacers, too. Which team leads the league in pace? I'm going to say Rockets. Okay. Which team ends at the top in defensive rating? Uh, 76ers. Okay. Which team ends, uh, has the best record in Western Conference before the break? The Lakers. Before the All-Star break, okay. Lakers. Best record in the Eastern Conference before the break? The Nets. Which head coach is going to be the first to be fired this season? Luke Walton from the Kings. <laughs> uh, do any of the top... 50 players uh, in the NBA, um, which is kind of a nebulous term, but any of the top players play 82 games a season, yes or no? Yes, I think somebody will. Which bench player leads all bench players in scoring? Kobe White, assuming it's per game, because he, he's going to miss the first couple weeks. Final, uh, final four teams. Nets, Bucks in the East, Lakers, Nuggets in the West. Who wins the championship? The Nets. All right. That's it. 20 questions. Um, interesting. Let's uh, – uh, out here. okay. Well, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do first. Here's, here's what we're going to do in between here. Oh, hold on. Let me unlock my phone. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, where do I want to call BSN here? Uh, who leads – okay, so which team leads the league in scoring? Portland. That's probably the one I felt most strongly about. Um, I don't – it's not that I – Dislike your answer. I just, I just, I don't know how you don't see the Nets. That's that's my that's my thing. So so here's my uh, here's my bet with you. I'd like to do with you is uh, I've got the Nets to score more points than, than the Trailblazers, and obviously you have vice versa. Sound good I, to you? I will take that because I think the Nets are not going to be playing a lot of fourth quarters at full throttle. Fair enough. Is, is where is would be my answer to that. The Portland they were in the top five in scoring last year. I'm not sure exactly where, but somewhere in the top five. Okay. And so, yeah, that's what that's that was just kind of my gut feeling. No, that's fine. And, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, yeah, it's, it's a gut feeling. Um, and we'll go through my answers. Obviously, you guys are going to know my answer to that one. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, after looking at the offensive rating of the Nets with all three of them on the floor, it's uh, obviously a very small sample size. But I just uh, I think they're going to be insane on that side of the floor. But anyways, OK, go ahead. You ask me and I'll give you my answers to these wonderful questions. All right, so who leads leads the league in scoring? I'm going to get my guy over there in Washington, Bradley Beal. Who leads the league in rebounds? Clint Capella. We're in in step there. (laughs) Who leads the league in blocks? Chris Boucher, my guy over in Toronto. That's who I got. Uh, Which rookie scores the most points? I'm actually going to go Jalen Suggs. All right. Uh, who's the rookie everyone is sleeping on that has a good season? 
I don't know if he's been slipped on, but um, I love Davion Mitchell. I love off night. I think that his fans are going to love him too. Who's the rookie in the lottery that turns out to be a bust? Uh, just like you, bust is a, a hard word, but uh, J- Joshua Primo is probably the one that's going to have an underwhelming career. Man, I'd I call BS. I just don't know how we'd be able to call that one. Uh, <laughs> which team leads the league in scoring? Um, Brooklyn Nets, obviously. That's Brooklyn mine. Nets. <laughs> e- even if Kyrie has to sit half the season. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, if that does happen, I'm not looking good there, but I think he'll play. I think he'll All play. All right. Uh, which team has the most rebounds? Has the most rebounds? I think the Jazz will do it again. Uh, which team gets the most blocks? Uh, well, I said Boucher for most blocks uh, in the league, so I'm going to go Jazz. Or, I'm sorry, Raptors. <laughs> Raptors. <laughs> which team leads the league in pace? Um, I might go to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, which team ends at the top? Actually, wait, I'm going to call BS on that one. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, Rockets and Warriors, just a pace yep. bet. Yep. We'll, I we'll think the Rockets is higher. You think yeah. the Warriors are higher? Uh, uh, the Warriors were second in pace last season, and um, uh, they're getting back. Well, they're going to get back eventually, Clay uh, uh, Thompson. And um, they were first, I want to say, a couple of years ago when they had that that crew um, in pace. So I think they're going to get back up there. But I could see the Rockets doing it. But yeah, I'll, I'll take that bet. Sure. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I. I don't know that I think their pace will be higher when Clay is gone than when he's back because I think I don't think they're gonna want to run him into the ground like that. Mm, I don't know, Splash so, Brothers. All right. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> um. So which uh which team which team ends at the top in defensive rating? I'm gonna go with the Los Angeles Lakers again. That's a good one. Uh, best record in the Western Conference before the break. I'm going with the Jazz. Best record in Eastern Conference before the break? Uh, Nets. I think we're both in step there. First head coach fired. I know we're in step here. Luke Walton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, any of the main guys play 82 games? I don't think so. I don't, nope, I really not don't. this year. I think Jokic was really the only one last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which bench player leads all bench – which which bench player leads scoring? Uh, Tyler Hero. I, I honestly forgot he was coming off the bench. Uh, final four teams. Uh, Buck, Bucks and Nets, just like you. Uh, and then the West, I'm going to go Lakers and uh, I'm going to go Jazz. I'm going to go Jazz. Yeah. Who wins the championship? Uh, we're in step here. Nets, Brooklyn Nets. Yep. I can't, I can't, can't count them out. Um, no, interesting. I want to go back to your, your questions. A few things that I found interesting. Um, I, I did find the Rockets. We already put our bet down there. And we already talked about it, but I did find the, the pace with the Rockets interesting. I think we're both in step on Luke Walton. Uh, his job is most obviously the one on the line. The thing is, I was looking at all these teams and a lot of them that that are, um, you know, potentially set up to, to have, um, you know, underwhelming seasons already had coaching changes either this off season or, or last off season. So, um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's hard to see anyone else besides Luke Walton being the answer there. Uh, so I'm glad we were there. Uh, I was kind of surprised. I did forget Jokic did play all 82 games last season so i did forget that so maybe you are right that that somebody does play 82 games um i just think that it's uh you know the culture nowadays is is that you know you have to take those rest rest days and everything like that um so is westbrook a top 50 player it's obviously that's you know fit top 50 is such a, a bad term here i should have used a, a better term for this question um 
I think I'm gonna say I think he I think he qualifies. Yeah, I think I think he does too. Um, it, I I don't know if he plays all all 82 games. Honestly, I don't know. I think I, he, I don't I think, think he does. Games. He just he seems like the type that after he missed time last year, he might hate the fact that he had to sit games. I could I could see him trying to do it out of spite. Maybe the biggest uh, surprise for me was your Kobe White call, though. Um, you really think he's going to score that many points on this loaded bull spot? I I hope so. It, it was as much of a I hope this is true call. I think he's going to embrace getting back to being a shoot-first player, coming mm-hmm. off the bench and scoring. That's that's what he came into the league as, and the Bulls tried to force him into this playmaking role. And he... He's a great team player. He he tried his best, but he's not a playmaker. He's a shooter. He's a scorer. And they pulled him away from that. And he went from being a starting point guard to now he's the back, he's going to be a backup playing against other backups. And he's going to be asked to score the ball. So I think he's a great dark horse to lead the bench unit, to lead the bench guys in scoring. Just from the role change, if he comes back with the right attitude, and I do think that I think the offense is going to be loaded, and he will be out there with other guys that are talented. But I think that'll just open things up for Kobe White because if he's out there with Zach and with Demar, he's probably you, you know and Lonzo or even out there with Lonzo and Zach, he's probably getting the third perimeter defender on him. So if he's getting to attack the third guy and it's a bench guy, I like Kobe White's chances. No, that's a, that's that's solid. It's just, it just really surprised me. I don't. Um, he can get out a heater, man. That guy can that guy can flat out score the basketball. We we've seen it, um, you know, time and again. I think he, there was a stretch, was it last year that he you know averaged like 25 points or 30 points over like 11 games or something like that. But um, man, this he he can put the ball in the hoop. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, his problem is that he's not a traditional point guard. So uh, so I don't mind the call. It just it just really took me by surprise because. Jordan Clarkson still exists. I didn't pick him either, but Jordan Clarkson does still exist. So uh, obviously we both have to, to consider that. Um, but anyways, any of my surprises? Uh, any of my surprises? Any of my, my answers surprise you or uh, seem off to you? Oh, are you talking? Oh, I think you're muted there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, let me write that one down too. I think Primo was the one that surprised me the most. Mm-hmm. He's the right. youngest guy in this draft. And he's going to be younger than a lot of the guys in next year's draft even. So I, I think he's going to be – I don't know that he ends up a starter. But I just – I don't see a world where he's he doesn't end up being a productive player, NBA player, especially being on the Spurs and getting to develop in that system. I think I think his floor is just significantly higher than Franz's is in Washington. Yeah, I do. I actually kind of like your Franz Wagner call a little bit more, more than mine. So, anyways, what else did you like? Any or like or dislike? Any any of them you liked? I love the Nets call on basically being the best offense in the league. Um, the defensive rating with the Lakers, I thought that was. I think that's a lot better than my Sixers call. Um, Sixers. I, just, I mean, I don't. I could see the Sixers getting there, but it all depends. And we're not talking about Ben Simmons. Gosh darn it! I'm not, I'm just so sick. I, we talked about this well, before the, we got on too. We'll talk but, about uh, Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons gets traded. Or yeah, when he, when he shows gets up. traded. No more. No talking about Ben Simmons. We're, but we're even without him, if the I think the 76ers players are going to take this personal, right. and they're a defense-oriented team. If Thibel's, you know, playing at a high level, Maxi develops a little. Embiid's an, a lockdown defensive center, and I, that was kind of why I picked them. I I was thinking Sixers revenge tour. 
But I, I liked I liked your Lakers pick a lot better. And I like your pick of the Jazz making the conference finals. I think that they learned from their mistakes of not having a second rim protector for when Rudy Gobert gets stretched out to the three-point line. Right. right. And they also lost that playoff series with both of their playmakers hurt. Mike Conley and, and Mitchell were both injured. And when you have an offense that's focused on having two playmakers and you don't even have one, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and, uh, and, and it does take some luck around that time of year. So it's really hard to call this stuff this early, especially this early. But, um, you know, part of that luck thing is also why I, I don't put the Suns in there. And I love the Suns. I love I love their team. I love what they do. I love pretty much every player on that team. But um, I think they got a little lucky last year. I think that's a pretty uh, prevalent, you know, um, uh, opinion that people have is, you know, they, they ran into uh, an injured Lakers squad and then they had, um, you know, they, they just they got lucky, I think. Um, which isn't a bad thing. It, it's just that I don't really trust them to go um, far again. And I know I think ESPN actually has them in their power rankings over the Lakers, which I just think is insanity. So, uh, so anyways, no, cool. That's uh, that's all interesting. Um, for our last, uh, before we leave though, we are going to talk a little bit about the news, and it's a little bit um, of a touchy subject. So if you want to, you guys want to drop listening, go ahead and do that. But uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, people, uh, players in, in their COVID vaccinations, uh, people that are not back, players that are not vaccinated and refuse to get the vaccination. Uh, we're we're going to try to stick to talking just about, you know, the basketball impact and the impact on these teams. But, um, you know, just kind of throw it out there. Uh, 95% of, of the NBA now is vaccinated, uh, which is a good thing, um, obviously. Uh, and a lot of, you know, the unvaccinated players are um kind of talking like they've, they've you know been exposed to, to some of the misinformation out there. So, uh, you know, definitely hope, wish they would get vaccinated. <laughs> and I think we're, we're kind of in lockstep on that, um, on that, uh, uh, uh opinion, right? <laughs> I, I think the biggest issue we have, or I don't know about you, but the biggest issue I have is there is a lot of misinformation. It's really, you know, I understand that for the average everyday person who, you know, is working a regular day job and doing, you know, it's it's easy to get fooled by by Fox News, to, you know, or you know the the QOAN people telling you it's got microchips in it or whatever it is they're saying this week. But these guys have access to the best medical professionals in the world that are that are trained to explain how these things work, why they're safe, why you should do them for the public safety, and they have access to all of this information if they want it. You mentioned it sounded like they'd been exposed to some misinformation. They willingly digested the misinformation while rejecting to listen to the scientists and the people yeah. who have studied this stuff for years. So yeah. to me, that's that's the part where I, I kind of roll my eyes. Um, it's really it's it's simple that you should just do it to take care of other people. Somebody mentioned uh, one team has a trainer that their parents live with them and mm -hmm. that his dad is um, he can't get the vaccine because he's got cancer or something. I'm not sure what it is, mm -hmm. but that trainer mentioned how, how terrible it would be if he caught COVID from one of these players who wasn't vaccinated and mm -hmm. took it home to his dad. And like, you got to kind of think about that. It's not just about like Isaac brought up, he's in great health. So he knows he can beat this virus, but it's not just about you. Yeah, just to kind of lighten the atmosphere, uh, I kind of tweeted this out earlier, but, uh, you know, farting in public is also a quote unquote personal choice. Uh, but people that do it are, are pretty much shunned. So so you're pretty gross if you do it. So uh, it's kind of like that for me. You know, it's like, um, 
you are totally allowed. I, I get vaccination, uh, you know, hesitancy. I get that. I get the fact that, um, you know, there might be some side effects and people have experienced serious side effects from vaccination. So I get people being cautious about what they put in their bodies. That's that's a whole mindset that um, I understand. But at the same time, like you said, it does, it affects other people. Uh, and that's what you have to really uh, take into, into consideration. So go ahead. So what would you if say say you're Adam Silver? And the, you have the players union says, all right, we're going to go along with whatever you say. What what would you, do you have an idea in mind of what you would do How, or because like I to me, I. I would probably. If I if I could just, you know, do whatever I wanted, mm. I would say we have teams that have players that aren't going to be able to play, but I don't think you should be playing without a vaccine anyway. I would have a mandate that you have to be vaccinated. But I would also have a mandate that if a, if Wiggins doesn't want to get vaccinated and he says, I don't want to play, he's still owed his contract. Well, it's a, it's a really I mean, do you remember when Magic Johnson came out and said he had HIV and, and I was players, too young, yeah, I was too yeah. young for that. Well, yeah, but players were saying, you know, I don't want to play on the floor with that guy because I'm, I'm afraid, you know, and that it's just such a sticky situation because if I'm a player on the other team and I'm I know your question was about if I'm Adam Silver, what would I do? And I'll answer that. But um what Adam Silver has to consider is that, you know, if I'm a player on the other team and I'm vaccinated and I'm playing with people that aren't vaccinated, I might be uncomfortable. I might not want to play that game. So it's not just the unvaccinated players that are going to be, again, it's not just them being affected by this. It's the other, it's right. everyone else around them. And um, I, I kind of, I, you, I made that face because like the AIDS fear, like at the time it was yeah. established, like you wouldn't get it unless he had a cut, like it yeah. was pretty well established the rarity, but that was a justify. Yeah, I should. I yeah, should. I, good. But to me, I I don't I don't want to villainize the players. I like if you don't want to take it, that's your right. I don't I don't even think they should take your money. I think the NBA should should have a fund or whatever that they could establish that that pays the salaries and you give Golden State that cap room back. You give the Magic the cap room back from the salary, and they just don't have to pay it until they get vaccinated. And if they want to come back, then they then they'd have to work out some kind of system for that. But I, to me, you just would have. I think you should bend over backwards to make sure they get paid, to make them feel comfortable. But yeah, I hate bringing unvaccinated people in. Yeah. To closed buildings like this that are that are going to be in such close contact with people on a day to day basis. And you play basketball and you're breathing and you're sweating and you're you know it, it's just not um, it's not good. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that's a great that's a great point and it's a great um, solution, honestly, is, you know, you still want to give people um, the ability to choose what they want to do with their own bodies. I, I, I get that part of the argument. Um, and to a certain extent, I, I agree with it. But um, but, yeah, I, I do think a mandate uh, is probably necessary because, um, again, it's just, you know, other players are going to be uncomfortable playing with these people. And it's not that's not anything. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's justified. Um, but anyways, Andrew Wiggins was obviously most, probably the most second most notable guy uh, on this list that did come out and say that he was not vaccinated. And obviously, Golden State has the uh, you know rule that he can't play in home games if he's not vaccinated. So um, how is that going to affect them? Do you think, uh, you know, how is that going to play out? Is he going to sit out all their home games? What's, what's going to happen there? He seems pretty steadfast in it. So, yeah, I think he sits. That's gonna bode well for my Otto Porter Jr. I'm calling. Yeah, they might need they might need him to step because you know uh, Andrew Wiggins brings a lot of defense to that squad. Um, so they're he gonna need him. Another, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. His, he need, had a lot of good raw numbers. Yeah, they're gonna need a, another long body in there. Uh, Jordan Poole is probably likely to slide into the starting lineup. 
uh, while Wiggins, you know, misses games. And um, obviously, Draymond Green's going to be there. Wiseman's going to be there. Um, I guess they, they when Clay comes back, they could probably start Clay at small forward and still keep Jordan Poole in there. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a really sticky situation, man. Uh, and, then and then Kyrie's the other one. Yeah, Kyrie. Um, well, Kyrie's uh, it, it, the question's out there because he was courtside at a uh, I want to say a WNBA game in LA, and everyone that was in that section was supposed to have been vaccinated and checked to be vaccinated and had to show their card or whatever. So the question's still out about Kyrie. It's kind of questionable there, um, but obviously he has publicly made statements that have made you believe that you know he might not be vaccinated. So uh, I, I had saw speculation that he had COVID. And like Bradley Beal said, it's not recommended to get the vaccine the first 60 days after you get COVID. Mm. So I, I saw, I thought I'd seen, and obviously it's all pure speculation, but I mm. thought someone had suggested maybe he had had COVID and then mm. got to go to that WNBA game because he had the exempt thing from, well, I already have the antibodies. I had COVID. Yeah. yeah the only players that have come out publicly and said that they don't have it are Andrew Wiggins, uh, Jonathan Isaac, Bradley Beal, and Trey Burke. Uh, to my knowledge, I, I might be missing a name here. Um, I don't think I am. I've been trying to follow it pretty closely because I'm, I'm in many fantasy leagues, obviously, <laughs> and trying to uh, draft people and and knowing what their their vaccination status is 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 kind of um, important. Uh, the the one guy that I did draft in my fantasy leagues, I uh, didn't actually know any. I could have honestly guessed, but Michael Porter Jr. I could because of some of the stuff he said in the past. <laughs> I could have probably guessed that he wasn't vaccinated, but I took a dang chance on this guy with my second round pick. I think he's going to have a big season. I'm just hoping to goodness that he doesn't catch COVID for a third time because I'm pretty sure he's had it twice, right? Yeah, he's had it twice. Uh, that's the risk is if they get caught in the protocols, those protocols just last so much longer for these guys. Yeah. Um, because like they've all said, they're all young, healthy guys, and they expect most of them have had COVID, I think, at least once. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they know how their body responds. So it's not even necessarily that we think they might get sick and, you know, be out because they're sick. But if they get sick, they have to be out just to sit. And I had only brought up Kyrie because he was the only guy. He's the only other one that we have doubts that he might be able to play in half of the games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I have a I have a way bigger level of concern for Wiggins and Kyrie just because that's so much time you're going to miss. Yeah, um, and Bradley Beal's a big one too. Um, not necessarily because he's he, there's no mandate uh, in, in DC, I don't think, or, or is there? I don't I don't no. think there is. Yeah, it's just it's just New York and and Golden State, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but but uh, but Bradley Beal's obviously uh, by, far and away the best player on that Wizards squad. So if he misses time, I mean they're just going to be absolutely awful to watch, which is unfortunate. Um, uh, and again, this is all you know. If he catches COVID, he's going to be in those protocols for a really long time. So it's just um, it's a really sticky situation. It's really unfortunate. Jonathan Isaac, I don't think that's a, a huge deal because the magic magic's not going to be very good anyway, so it doesn't really matter too much, honestly. Um, Trey Burke is is another guy that you know I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of just drop out of the league uh, if he's not going to get vaccinated. So um, pretty risky in, in my opinion. But again, uh, is that fair? You know, I, I don't know. That's not really that's a really hairy uh, call there. Uh, I don't want to deny somebody their, um, you know, salary or their their right to to, to work, um, because of, you know they won't take a vaccine. It just doesn't doesn't feel right to me. So, uh, it's 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 true. And Devin Booker I also have on here as as maybe questionable, but he's kind of more on. I think he actually is. He has COVID right now, and he's in the health and safety protocols. Uh, and I think he just said something about you know he doesn't want to disclose if he does or doesn't have it. 
when when someone says that, I kind of immediately jump to they're not vaccinated. How about you? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. If you if you don't want to discuss it, more than likely that you don't want to discuss it because you don't want people getting on your case. Yeah. Um, so I you know who knows? I mean maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Um, I think that's a big loss too though. If he if he's not vaccinated and he ends up you know missing an extended period of time, he, he's really important to what the Suns do. Um, arguably their best offensive player. I think that's maybe not so arguable after, you know, what we saw in the playoffs last year. So, uh, but here, here's a question I'd like to pose to you. What the start, you know, we've seen, we've seen LeBron James uh, and we've seen Draymond Green re- most recently talking about this and, and they're pretty much, um, they have the same message pretty much. It's just, it's the player's choice. I don't want to, you know, argue against that. And that's, that's pretty much, I mean, with some caveats, that's kind of what we're saying here too. But do you think that they have an obligation to do more or is, is that part of their job or, or what do you think? Well, while we are saying that, we are also pointing out that they have access to information that they're ignoring, and we would prefer we would it would be nice for them to to go and get the information that we all have that they all have access to because they they're they are these guys as peers, so they've been through the same things. They've been able to talk to the same people. So to me, I don't necessarily want them to jump down their th- you know, I don't. I don't expect I'm not saying Draymond Green has to go talk to Andrew Wiggins personally, but I think it would be nice for Draymond Green to mention, well, I talked to this doctor and they explained this to me. And that that's why I felt comfortable taking the vaccine sort of try and get the comfort level, try and make these guys feel more comfortable with the vaccine. It's even more important to come from somebody, like you said, that had vaccine hesitancy themselves, because that's, you know, if they say, like you said, you know, if they say, hey, I heard this and this is what convinced me to get it. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest with you guys, uh, you know, any listeners out there, I did, I, I had some discussions like this with, with a family member. I'm not going to disclose, but um, who it was. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not just saying this about NBA players. I'm also saying it actively to people that I know. Um, you know, go out there, get the information. If you're if you're hesitant for some reason, or you have questions like Bradley Beal, you know, put his posing questions. There, the answers are out there. You you have to just be able to go find them um, and be willing to hear the answers. If you're just not, you know, and if you're just not gonna get it, I mean, just be honest about that. Don't don't say, you know, it, it just seems dishonest to me to say, hey, I don't know the answers to this because, like you said, the answers are out there. Um, I did I did retweet something, and this is from Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um, but people who are unvaccinated are eight times more likely to test positive for COVID, 41 times more likely to be hospitalized, and 57 more times more likely to, to die compared to people that are vaccinated. So, uh, yeah, can you still get COVID if you're vaccinated? Absolutely, you can. Um, but it just um, it, it, it helps. It, it, and there are, like I said, there are people that have had adverse effects to the vaccination. That's a, a documented and a known thing. Um, but you know, this is it's it's saving lives. I, um, and I hope people I hope people do their research. So um, that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> so. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's going to do it for us, guys. Um, you know, that's it for training out here at BSPP. I hope you like your show. If you liked it, please hit subscribe. Leave us a review. The growth of our show really depends on your, your listeners, uh, our listeners, telling us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. So please take two minutes and go do that for us. I'm Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSBP Keith. And, Trey, tell the listeners where they can find you, man. I am on Twitter at Final Finally. Last second tidbit, Sabonis for the Pacers averaged 15.2 screen assist points per game. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. Uh, and don't forget to follow our uh, show's Twitter account, guys, at, at BSBP underscore NBA. 
And join us again next week. We're going to have some preseason basketball to talk about. I'm freaking excited, man. Let's do this. All right, here we go.